Again, I feel blessed with the honor of being able to share God's Word with you. We've been studying the book of Acts on our Bible study on Sunday morning. I encourage each and every one of you to come for it. It's wonderful. And our, our Wednesday evenings in Matthew. And I was just wonderful studying. But a few things in the book of Acts that really caught my attention. And it got me thinking. They were doing some things that I should be doing now. Then I heard a little story. And I don't know I like stories. It kind of really got me to thinking. So the man come home from work one evening. Said the kids were dirty and still in their pajamas, running around in the yard. Said he walked into the house and he said that uh, there was dirty clothes scattered in the house. Breakfast cereal was poured all over the floor. Toast was laid on the floor. Said the house looked like it hadn't been touched in months. Some of the furniture was twisted sideways. TV was on a cartoon channel, blaring at top speed. Video games and toys were scattered everywhere. Said he got to worrying about his wife. His wife keeps a very clean house and something's gotta be wrong, she's gotta be sick. So he said he got to worry and he run upstairs. And he found his wife, still laying in bed, in her pajamas. Room looked like a mess. And he asked her, honey, are you sick? She said, oh no, I feel good. He said, honey, is there anything wrong? She said, oh no, I'm having a wonderful day. He said, well, what about the kids? And what about this awful house? She said, honey, I'm glad you asked. She said, you know, every evening when you come in and you ask me what I did during the day, well, today I didn't do any of it. And you know, it got me to thinking. How often God's word tells us what we're supposed to do as far as sharing his, his word with others. How many times have we just didn't do it today? I know a lot of people in denominations are probably talking about Christmas today. But today I'm going to talk to you about something that's very important and very dear to our hearts. That's the Word of God. I'm going to share with you a group of people how they handle the Word of God. And hopefully we can use them as an example and help put a little fire in us to help us be God. The one I'm talking about is the book of Acts. A person, I just can't believe, cannot read the book of Acts with open eyes and an open heart and not be amazed at the actions and the activities of the men and women who were the first Christians. Can you imagine people so converted to Christ on a pilgrimage that they refused to return home when their money ran out? <clears throat> Have you ever been out somewhere away from home and your money goes to running a little low? You're spending a little more than you had planned on it. You kind of skim down and maybe even go home a day or two early. But these people, they did. They wanted to understand this good news about Christ in completeness. They didn't want to just hear a little bit about it. They wanted to understand the full story of God's Word. That occurred when some converts who heard the good news on Pentecost. Can you imagine now 
a congregation so close to each other that they met every day to encourage each other as they praised God. I find in my own life that a lot of times I overlook the opportunity and don't have time or don't seem like I have time to even call a brother or sister or just send them a text message with encouragement. But here are these, this congregation is so close that they met daily to praise God, encourage one another. Can you imagine find, finding so much joy and fulfillment in Christ that we would meet every day voluntarily without command to glorify God? Can you imagine living in a community who were not Christians, but yet they acknowledged that Christians were a beneficial part of the community? That describes the earliest congregation in Jerusalem. And again, can you imagine willingly selling private possessions, selling your own stuff, your own land, or your own possessions to help people you don't even know, but who believe in Christ? That's what Christian did in Acts 4, verses 32 and 37. I'm going to turn over to Acts. I'm going to be reading out of different places tied to the book of Acts. But read Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 37. It tells us, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought, that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. <clears throat> and with great power gave the apostle witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Verse 34 says, Neither was there any among them that liked, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them, brought the price of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet, and disposition was made to every man according to his, as he had need. And just as the who was by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and one of the, one of the country of Cyrus, having, sold land, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And here they are, the seven held their own possession and giving it to the ones that are in need to believe in Christ. They're helping the needy saints in other words. Now one of the most amazing qualities of the early Christians was their evangelistic fever. In about 70 years, these Christians took this good news concerning Jesus Christ. They took it throughout Palestine and to Samaria, uh, throughout Asia Minor to Europe and to North America with plans to go to Spain. And that's just the places that we know about. They commonly did, did this in pagan societies that were more immoral, corrupt than even today's world. They often did it as they faced personal sacrifices and they faced personal persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. They did not have missionaries or evangelists to go out and do it for them. In fact, they were probably what we call missionaries and evangelists. They heard this word of Christ and they carried it out throughout their known region. Now look at what Acts says about the activities of some of the first Christians. Remember we put Acts chapter 8 verse 1 through 5. Acts 8, 1 through 5. Saul, it says, and Saul was 
consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made habit of the church, entered to every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. We see here in Acts, also Acts chapter 8, verse 25, says of Peter and John, So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages at Samaria. Then we look on over just a little bit further. Acts uh, chapter 8, verse 40. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all cities till he came to Caesarea. He didn't say that he just went to one place and preached. He didn't say that he just preached to the people that wanted to hear him, or preached to the people that showed some interest in it. He said he went throughout preaching. And that's the same thing with each and every one of us today. How many times do we look for the opportunity to share God's word, God's plan of salvation with others around us? Or do we just kind of look around and say, well, I wonder what these people might think of me if I mention anything to them about the Bible. Acts 9 and 32. Acts 9 and verse 32 tells us, And it came to pass that Peter passed throughout all quarters. He came down all to the saints where dwelt at Lydia. Acts 11, 19 through 21. Acts 11, 19 through 21. It says, Now when now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution and arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21 says, And that the hand of the Lord was with them, and with a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So we see here that so these, those who were scattered abroad because of this persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, they made their way on down through Phoenicia and uh, Cyprus and that. They, and they went on talking to none other when except to the Jews. But it says, As some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came down it, they began to speak. They didn't just speak just to the Jews. They began speaking to the Greeks, the Gentiles also. And they didn't just talk to them and ask them about daily affairs, but it goes on and says that they preached the uh, Lord Jesus, and at the hand and at the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number believed, turned to the Lord. When we go out into the world, we shouldn't worry about what people are going to think about us. We shouldn't think, am I capable of talking to people about God. We need to study God's word enough to know that when we're called upon, we're able to help. We know that God's going to be with us and that we can do it. We need to, All we have to do is study God's word and be willing to teach others. The outreach of, uh, work of early Christians was in no way, no way limited to the activities of just Paul and Barnabas. Evidence indicates his joyous was characteristic of many converts to Christ. 
The indications are the congregations in places like Colossae and Laodicea. Excuse me on some of these names, but existed because they existed because Christians from other places taught the people of those places. So when we go out and we look around at people and say, you know, this looks like a pretty rough place. There's probably nobody here ever heard of Jesus. If we happen to be in that area, when we leave, let's make sure that someone in that area has heard about Jesus. To me, one of the saddest facts about some of the people today that call themselves Christians or some of the Christians, that many of them, they take the outreach of the church for granted. Now what I'm saying here is, is too often their attitude is so they shared their faith in Christ with others. But so what? They are not touched by the incredible expression of faith of these early Christians have. They're not touched by the, the early Christians, the incredible expressions of faith and commitment. Their joy in Christ was too real not to share. Don't you think that they were human too? Don't you think that they feared for their lives? Don't you think that they maybe wanted to just sit around and rest and relax and keep to themselves, but they didn't. As I said, their joy in Christ was so real. It was too real not to share. Their love for Christ was so high that they went out and they shared it with others they come in contact with. Now to attempt to, to edge, so to speak, edge the sharing of Christ with others. What I want us to do this morning is mentally trade places with these early Christians. Now suppose that your preacher, the elders and deacons of the church were arrested for preaching the gospel today. Suppose they were taken to court, given a legal injunction against further preaching and teaching as Peter and John was in Acts 5. Now suppose they defiled this injunction, were arrested again, and were publicly beaten for the arrogant rejection of this injunction. Now, let's uh, think that a zealous leader like Stephen gets into a rebellious discussion about the identity of Jesus Christ. He's arrested and executed for his public religious stance as an Acts Act 7. Now you're standing there with them with this picture in your mind. Then one who hates Christians attains the legal powers to actually make house-to-house -house search for Christians. Literally drags them out of their home, has them jailed, tried, and was and the result is that some were executed. The threat is so real and so close that you leave your home, your property, to find a new place to locate. But the question is, what do you do when you're faced with a situation like this? Do you get out of town just like they did? Okay, if you do that, then what? Would you slip quietly? into this new area, go about your business, avoid the mentioning that you came from a place that ran Christians out of town? Would you weep and complain about all the stuff and possessions that you lost? Or would you angrily denounce those who ran you out of your own town? Would you resent God for letting such injustice fall upon you? Would we go around and say, God loved me so much, how could he let that happen? Or would you rejoice in the opportunity to suffer for Jesus 
and to tell others about the priceless joy of being a Christian, seeking to convert them to Christ. Remember, the outreach of the early Christians was born in hatred, persecution, and rejection. Not in the kindness of open hearts who asked for the good news about Christ. The people that they talked to didn't come up to them and open heartedly and say, please tell me about Christ. Not a lot of them wanted to kill them, wanted to stone them, if you even mentioned the word Christ. Then we have to ask the question, why did they do it? Simple answer, they loved the Lord. I have no doubt that anybody that would put your life on their own, I hate even getting hit by a rock. More or less thought of just hundreds of rocks hitting you until it kills you. They've seen it actually happen. So they knew how serious it was. But yet they still went out and talked to people about Christ because they loved the Lord. My question is, do you not also love the Lord? Would any of us publicly declare that we do not love the Lord? I wouldn't think so. They love the Lord. We love the Lord. That does not seem to be the explanation. And why did they do it? Some might say they were commanded to do it. Commands emphasize responsibility, but self motivates the kind of commitment. Besides, most of us admit their commands are our commands. It seems that there are no more to their commitment than a command that they had to do it. Because they loved the Lord. When I read Acts, it seemed obvious that they did it out of desire rather than necessity. It surely would have been easier to find a quiet place, peacefully settle in, and dedicate themselves to being Jesus' private follower. It seems to involve much more than necessity. I submit that they discovered something in Jesus Christ that was so valuable, so cherished, so priceless, that they wanted to share it even in the face of hardship and even death. Forgiveness of sin and freedom from guilt was a priceless gift. Sanctification, justification, and purification were gifts beyond measure. The love of God and of Christ was, and still is today, beyond comprehension. To be children of God, not slaves to a deity, is incredible. Everything they found in Christ was available to all people and still is today. I also think that the first Christian found in Christ something many of today's Christians have never discovered. How long it has been since you deeply, genuinely thank God for all that he done for us in Jesus Christ? How long has it been since you seriously thought about your forgiveness, that God remembers your sin no more, and that does not impute sin to your life? Now, I'm not saying just thank you, Lord, for that. I'm talking about a serious, earnest prayer, an earnest talk with God. How long has it been since you thought about what Christ contributes to your marriage, to your parenting skills, or your personal relationships? 
How long has it been since you appreciated the gift and the power of prayer? How long has it been since you valued the strength and the hope of faith? Or how long has it been since you cherished the fellowship, the encouragement of Christians? How long has it been since you were grateful for being a new cre creation in Christ? Can you withhold this precious thing from those that struggle because they do not know or even have them? The more you value your salvation, the more imperative it becomes that you share it. You do not seek to force it. Now, I'm not saying do not force it upon someone. You share it out of love. That is the key to evangelistic zeal and fervor. To share it, first you must value it. And in closing, I just want to say that never forget because you have Christ, you have something to share. When we come uh, the opportunity, we shouldn't have the attitude, well, I like talking to people about God, but I don't know nothing to tell them. Do you know that God is our creator? Do you know that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God? Do you know that Jesus gave his life on the cross that we have forgiveness of our sins? Do you know that no matter what your sin is, through God's grace and God's mercy, we have forgiveness of that sin? And we still have a chance to have a relationship, a loving relationship with God and have a home in heaven. If you know that, you know enough to talk to someone about God. Well, you might say, well, what if they ask me a question about the Bible or something about God that I don't really know the answer to? That's just your opportunity to invite them to worship. Just tell them, be honest with them, so I don't know the answer to that, but I'm glad you got me thinking about it. But there is some brothers and sisters at church. If you'll come to church with me Sunday morning, Wednesday night, I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it. Then call ahead and let brothers know that we're coming with this question. Go home and study that question. Or maybe that's an opportunity for y'all to have an open Bible study with that one. Remember Philippians 4 and 13 through Christ it's strengthening. I can do anything. We can do anything because we got Christ there giving us the strength. May your life and who you are encourage people to want to know what you have found in Christ. I'm just saying that we should, every word out of our mouth, every action we do, as I said before, in word or deed, needs to uh, reveal to people we have Christ in us. Let them know that we belong to God. Whatever your need may be. Maybe you need to be baptized, become a child of God. Maybe you've already been baptized. But you've stepped out of it. You need the prayers, the encouragement of the congregation to help you get your relationship right with God. We ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation at this time. I am thy own Lord.